Hey, looks like one of the bands is here. Why don't you help them get set up? Well, you guys actually got loud sugar. We don't fuck around, buddy. You've got the Lost Boys dude, too. Uh, Corey Haim? No, the, never mind. The Dubfod told me you've been good boys and girls. So here's another fucking banger for you. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, that's something I need to do with my kids. And guess what? Not only is it it's not for my kids, what it really is for is for my 500 Facebook friends to show them where we put the fucking elves every single night. WFOD begins now. Albino alligator, the popcorn bitch, Mr. Travis Hulse. Hey! Travis, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to uh, G. Tom Mack. Uh, he, uh, he, see, he, he, his name's Gerard. 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 Gerard Thomas McKenzie. But he fucking changed it because he was like, he was like, people can't say Gerard. And that, I, I'm going to call the guy Gerard, Travis. It's not hard. Maybe he changed it before, like Gerard Depardieu and mm. Gerard Butler. You know, Gerard came into prominence. You know what I'm saying, Travis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if you look back on that and you'd be like, "Oh man, I should have just waited that out. <laughs> I should have just waited out Gerard." Travis, I want to talk about the Kia Boys. <clears throat> oh, the Kia Boys. I'm unfamiliar. Apparently, there's like a eight-year period where uh, Kia was making vehicles that are incredibly easy to steal. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, so, like, when where you go to put the key in, the, the ignition thing, Travis, you could just pop that baby out and... Uh, Start her right up. You can stick uh, the business end of a USB charging cable into it and start it with a USB charging cable. Hmm. And so a bunch of people are making TikTok videos telling you how to steal Kias. Did, uh, didn't did the city of Chicago try to sue Kia over this? Well, I think that's going on right now. I I, I think that it, w- what they did is they, they sent out a letter telling all the Kia owners, hey, uh, we'll fix that for you for $500. They're like, oh, fuck you. Make sh- less shitty cars. Yeah, that's what my insurance deductible is. I might as well just pay the insurance if it happens. <laughs> I got a really good news story about the Kia boys, though, Trevor. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. She was Gertie, and she was my pride and joy. And um, she's not anymore. Because the Kia boys. Fucking Kia boys, Travis. 
stole Gertie. The Kia was her pride and joy. Yeah, his, his name is Gertie, Travis. It's a Kia. Get bent. This lady loves. She loves her Kia named Gertie. That's Gertie in this TikTok video. Tell me that that is okay to drive after that. McFarlane is among Milwaukee's nearly 4,000 victims of car theft this year, many at the hands of the Kia boys. The Kia boys. They just like coined this name for this group of people who steals Kias, but they don't know who these, uh, maybe it's all women. Why they call why they call them Kia boys? No, I mean, they make TikTok videos, Travis. Uh, from what I can uh gather most they make tiktok videos about them stealing vehicles they show their faces well no they have uh uh gators, gators. oh so they're pretending like we're still in covid lockdown from what i can tell pretty much the kia boys just get in the kias and and like swerve a bunch yeah but sometimes they have demolition derbies uh, <laughs> like gertie, oh that's fun yeah gertie was in a demolition derby there was a whole bunch of kias just like zigzagging around on each other. So the Kia boys jacked a bunch of Kias on their own, and then they just smashed them up in a parking lot? Yeah. I love They're that. teens and underage boys stealing Hyundais and Kias for joy rides. When we're looking at this and, and, and hearing the news that certain cities were suing these car companies about making them too easy to steal, maybe worry about the people who are stealing them. And less about the manufacturer of these vehicles, right? Like maybe check your crime rate and try to fix that. So you're, you're saying instead of being like, hey, fuck you, Kia, make your cars harder to steal. Maybe be like, hey, stop stealing cars. Yeah, maybe be like, fuck, we got to get these Kia boys. Now in my head, I'm thinking that my car, my baby, Gertie, is out there maybe jumping a curb and hitting somebody, hitting an innocent person. She can't trust Gertie anymore. This woman... Don't play any more clips of her. She's the worst. But I just have one more. Oh, fine. Gertie was stolen from the parking garage at Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. After a few days, police found Gertie abandoned and battered. No, I don't want her back. Mm -mm. She should be embarrassed that she did that interview. Like people who people should I hope her family is shaming her and being like, did you see yourself on television? This is ridiculous. Do you never named any of your cars, Travis? I don't care about the name. I care about her emotional breakdown. You're fine with Gertie. Yeah, call it Gertie. I don't give a shit. Call your car whatever the hell you want to call it. But uh, the way that she's acting, it's like she lost a member of her family. It's a goddamn Kia. The Iggy Azalea, you familiar with her? She's a, a Australian rapper lady. Uh, yeah, I think I am. So she was in Saudi Arabia, Travis. Now, do you see That's where everybody's going lately? Do the golf see, wrestlers. They send the wrestlers to Saudi Arabia, and they bring the lady wrestlers. But the lady wrestlers aren't allowed to wear any of their normal lady wrestler outfits. They have to like wear big old baggy t-shirts. Like, uh, is that right? Yeah, they they can't wear their wrestling outfits because like everybody there is like they're afraid they're going to get a boner. Mm, yep, <clears throat> makes sense. So, I, I mean, I, I guess just don't bring them, right? Yeah, if they're going to have to cover up half of the appeal of the lady wrestlers, right? Are they are is that they're kind of scantily clad like the the men are, right? So, well, and that's it, that's the case with Iggy Azalea too. Travis is they brought Iggy Azalea over to Saudi Arabia and they're like, hey, Iggy Azalea, you come over here just because we like your raps. You do so your you can, raps. You, 
You do no butt shaking. You can come over here to Saudi Arabia, but you better dress like Billie Eilish. I, I think that Saudi Arabia doesn't actually care about any of our entertainment. I think they just want to see if they can get us to come do it. You know what I mean? Like to, to just completely sell out, be like, we're going to pay you a bunch of money to come over here and do your raps, but you have to, to hate yourself afterwards. You can't do the things that you would normally do. You have to kind of sell out and, you know, go against what you stand for. Which, I mean, really, is there even such a thing as selling out anymore, right? I mean, if, if some Saudi or, or Arabian super mega rich person is going to throw money at you to do this, you take the money, right? If they say you have to wear a turtleneck, extra long sleeve shirts, you wear the turtleneck and extra long sleeve shirts, and then you go home and cash the check. That's how you feel. Now, I think that the lady wrestlers going over there and wearing baggy T-shirts is kind of like making them admit that what they're wearing is inappropriate, right? Well, I mean, by Saudi standards, right? Don't they? I mean, they cover all of their women up. So, I mean, it's just by the Saudi standards. So if it's there, if you want to come and it's their money paying for it. But at the same time, if I was the wrestlers, I'd be like, hey. You're not going to let the lady wrestlers be the lady wrestlers. Yeah, we're so just not going to bring them, okay? We're just not going to bring them, right? Yeah, we're not going to bring them. Because what's the point? They're not going to wrestle in their regular wrestling garb. Why would you even want them here? So we'll just bring so, the big beefy dudes and they'll, they'll beat the shit out of each other. So Iggy Azalea, that's where I was getting at, Travis. She was in Saudi Arabia. I got this here. Iggy Azalea reckons she was kicked off stage in Saudi Arabia after suffering an embarrassing wardrobe malfunction. The Aussie rapper took to social media to share what that she wasn't permitted by authorities to continue the show because her pants split on stage. <laughs> her pants, her pants split. split on stage. So like, you get the fuck out of here. We don't want to see that butt. No pants ripping on our stages. You think they refunded the uh, concert goers? I don't think they cared about seeing the show. They just wanted to prove they could get her to show up. Yeah, I think the money, the money, the backers are pretty much just throwing their money around and being like, I bet we could make this happen. And then they do. And then there probably were some Saudis that were like, oh, Iggy's alias come. We don't get that kind of entertainment here. I'll go to that. But then as soon as they saw a woman butt cheek, they're like, oh, no, heathen, heathen. <laughs> All right, Travis, I got two more things. I got a Bo Daddy Harris. He went viral. Uh, A lot of people were sharing this on the Tickety Talk, Travis. Uh, Bo Daddy Harris, he did a cover of uh, 50 Cent's Magic Shop. I wanted to share this with you. boy. I'll take you to the tennis shop. I'll let you let the loving pop. Go ahead, girl, don't you stop. Keep going till you hit the spot. Whoa, 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 whoa. And the guy, we we, we have confirmed that this is not a bit, right? No, he, he's 100% real, Travis. He's very sincere in all of these things that he's doing. Yeah. The only other thing I have to share with you is uh, Ron DeSantis and uh, Gavin Newsom had a debate of like two guys who are definitely not going to be the president. Like, I don't know. Yeah, of course. Nobody what are they even doing. Nobody watched it, Travis. But uh, uh, so uh, Ron DeSantis, he had a, a an ace in his in his pocket. Uh, Ooh, can't wait. Gavin Newsom, he said, uh, 
yeah, Ron DeSantis, he's bad on mental health. And uh, Ron DeSantis said, oh, well, I have this map in my pocket. Did you see Ron DeSantis's map? Mm-mm. This came up at a presidential debate, Travis. This is a map of San Francisco. <laughs> There's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces that are found <laughs> on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nailed him, right? Even Newsom was chuckling. It's like, what are you chuckling about, dude? <laughs> San Francisco's <laughs> is in rough shape. He's got a poop map in his uh in his pocket. This is how you gotta avoid <laughs> Look at all these people pooping on the street. That's fucked up, right? You gotta have a map to avoid poop spots in a ma- major metropolitan city. <laughs> these jokers. I love these below the line like presidential candidates that like, you know, I mean Obviously, it's going to be the two chumps that it was the last time. But I mean, uh, I just I love that. Well, assuming they can both live that long. But uh, this really I is lo- the best time when like there's a whole bunch of them and they're all sniping each other. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite thing. Like, I know a bunch of them have already dropped out. But uh, yeah, I really do enjoy when there's like a good like a good batch of people who are just trying to come up with insults. They don't have any plans for what they would do for the country they just like have to come up with insults about what the other person uh, looks like uh, does in their personal life or how they run their uh, whatever they represent at this point yeah that Rami Schwami guy the other day Travis told uh, Chris Christie to go enjoy himself a nice meal he said you don't even know any <laughs> of the provinces you fatty That's what he said to that guy go enjoy a nice meal <laughs> You didn't have to tell him to do that. He's gonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I will. Yeah, sounds good. I was planning on it. I have reservations after this stupid debate. <laughs> Travis, the other day, uh, when drunk left here, uh, he said something unusual to my wife on the way out the door. Oh, do they usually have interactions? Is it, or is it usually like, yeah. oh, nice to see you. I mean, see you later. Yeah, he usually says, nice to see you. See you later. But he, uh, yeah. he said to her, uh, some interesting hand soap you have in there. And then he left. <laughs> and we've really been thinking about what that could have meant. And I think that he might have used bubble bath as hand soap. <laughs> I'm not. Was it an uh, easily accessible spot next to the sink that he could have used it? it might, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, we don't have a lot of guests, Travis. So, you know, shit's just around. Yeah, right. You guys know where you like to keep your things. I keep forgetting to ask him about it, though. I'm really curious if he used bubble bath as hand soap. I, I think I'm going to have to show him the bubble bath. Are you still using like the 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 cheapy Dollar Tree like uh, Grapealicious kind of shit? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so he you would think that he would know, right? That that's not oh yeah, hand it's soap. Like a big obnoxious bottle. It's huge. It's a big like bottle is not maybe maybe that's why he thought it was so interesting that you guys had a weird ass bottle that he had to like tip upside down to put in his hand yeah he had to like pick it up with two hands <laughs> it's a really interesting do, do you do you have hand soap right next to the faucet on the in the sink like by the sink like yeah, where probably, he would probably in the place that it always is yeah i would be really curious as well because like we'll, we'll, usually we'll usually you would say to ask him when he comes back yeah, because usually you would say it's just something like, oh, that's an interesting scent or, or whatever. Where'd you get you? Not just, no, that's no. interesting. It was hand very soap. vague. And then he sauntered out. And then he poof. 
and now we just are left to be haunted by uh, what it could have meant. You know what I mean? Well, what you need to do, you need to 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 taste test a cola, walk upstairs like you're going to leave to go get Taco Bell to take home to your wife. Yeah. So your mind's kind of like, am I getting chalupas? What am I getting? Am I going to get that meal for two? What am I going to get? You're and then go I, wash. I, I'm going to try to not be me and know and just see what I reach for. Right, exactly. So you be, 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 be put yourself in drunk shoes, and then go wash your hands quick and see maybe you're distracted and could have grabbed the bubble bath. Huh. Guys, what we're going to do? We're going to take a break. We're going to regroup. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to G. Tom Mack. Yes. Show me the light under the tree of San Francisco pooping. Yes, it's Christmas. Our stockings hung. Let's read poop maps till Santa comes. Dubfod goes hard. The December snows of Denmark hold so much Christmas cheer. So deck your halls and light your tree and wipe away your tears. Look now on the bright side. Don't live in regret. But as you warm your hearth and home, make sure not to forget. There'll be 17 million minxuses who won't make it for Christmas. 17 million stockings so forlorn. Hard to sing a Yuletide song when your body's in a mass grave. Just you wait, they'll return. Their gas has breached the surging earth. Now we'll meet the zombie minks for Christmas. Zombie minks, zombie minks. We'll meet the zombie. It's time once again for the Hollywood Beat with your inside source drunk. And this week he talks to Zoe Deschanel about her new film, Trolls Band Together, in theaters now. How many of these fucking troll movies have you guys made now? This is the best Trolls film that's ever been made. I bar, right? Um, definitely top three. Which troll are you? The high one? She's... One of my favorite characters I've ever gotten to play, if not number one favorite. So very, very excited to be back. Are there hot trolls? Once again, WFOD, wheelbarrow full of dicks. Yo! Yeah. 
his apartment You'll throw your perfume on and tell him why you call He'll make you laugh for him And give you that little charm Jack is a charming cat Little charm Jack love the china Little charm Jack throw your heart out Welcome back. Our guest tonight is a singer-songwriter-producer with music in over 50 movies and 100 TV shows. Learn more about his upcoming projects at gtommack.com. Guys, gtommack is on the program. Gerard! How are you? I've not heard my name properly. The word, my name as Gerard by people outside. Even my close friends don't call me Gerard anymore. You're G to everybody now, right? Well, nobody could ever pronounce my name properly. I, I, I don't I, understand. Been, I, I've heard that said about you, and I, I couldn't understand it. Why is that one hard? That's an easy name, isn't it? Yeah, I wish I could answer that and not be make fun of the people that can't and pronounce it properly. But hey, if you want to make fun of the people who can't pronounce it, feel free. <laughs> I'm I'm on the right podcast, am I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I came from England, and when I came over, people pronounced my name. They thought it was Jerry or Gerald. They put an L in there. And, you know, we say my name in England. We say Gerard and my last name, McMahon. My last name was very much more difficult, I thought, than my last because we don't use a H. McMahon is how we would say it in, in the U.K. So, I, on, interesting enough, on the Lost Boys soundtrack, after doing three albums, I... I'm going off and I'm going and doing all these radio stations behind those those albums as promotion. Everybody would announce, you know, Gerard McMahon or Gerard Gerard McMahon, and I go or Gerald McMahon. I did. I don't know who that is, you know. Um, but um, <laughs> it was my ongoing joke. So I it was constantly correcting people, and I didn't think my name would be that difficult, you know, of a name to uh, pronounce. But anyway. G- Gerard Thomas McMahon is what it is, and G. Tom Mac is the abbreviate. So I saw the Pig Killer movie, and you're oh, you did, did you? You're in it. You're in the movie, not just your music, but you. You're in the movie. I am in the film. It was a choice made by the director Chad Farron, in which. Um, I've written what was to be the main song in the film, and um, which kind of is. And uh, uh, he wanted me to perform it in this sort of low-key Coachella kind of vibe. <laughs> and um, so I said, yeah, sure. So we went out to wherever that was, cl- kind of close to the area where Coachella actually is. So where they were filming. And so, um, yeah, we did it. And it was, um, I don't know if you guys have experienced, but been on the... Uh, been on set all day long and doing all of that kind of stuff, take after take. And, yeah. You know, but it was we had a good we had a good laugh. We had fun. You know. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I was on that. But Mike had talked to to Chad 
uh, and just can't recommend that movie enough. And I still have not been able to 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 see it. But yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, I I'm excited. Well, Gerard's to, to music check that makes out. the whole movie, Travis. Yeah, and so it sends you into this rabbit hole because even in the movie, they the guy said, "Yeah, we got the Lost Boys guy." <laughs> I love the tongue and cheek factor of this film. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like uh, what Chad's a very interesting guy. Anyway, he had actually licensed a few of my songs. That's how I met him. I didn't even meet him then, but they, he, they liked, I can't remember the name of the film parasites or something like that. Long time ago. And he, he got in touch with me say, you know, I would love to have you score this entire movie. Cause I just love your musicality, etc., etc." And I said, well, that's a possibility. There we were right in the middle of the, you know, midway through the pandemic. And, um, might as well have something to do besides (laughs) I had a lot to do, but I thought I liked him as a person. And I just thought this movie just had all those little underlying time. It it was like, um, I always loved those campy kind of eighties films back in the day, horror films. And he nailed that. I mean, he kind of went, it was this style had a little bit of Brian De Palma's carry in it. I mean, he has a mixture of things going on in the film and that he he didn't take it, even though it's a very serious matter about a serial killer in Canada back in the day who murdered quite a few women at his pig farm. So kind of horrific, but he was, you know, he's got a style and it kind of goes back. And I love the lettering. He did that yellow lettering of the credits and things like that on it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was challenging, and um, and I, you know, there's no amount of time when I've done like 56 movies to my credit, meaning like a lot of scoring some, and then doing um, the theme song, you know, to a film, or just having a a song that's in there that's well noted. It obviously I've done indie films before, and um, this is obviously an indie film. But it was it was challenging and fun, and I really got to see his musical taste and or how he operated musically. Because in the beginning of the film, uh, where it opens up, where you just see the pigs, and you see some boots, somebody walking around in these boots, and you can't really really make out what's going on. And I wrote a very kind of cool scory thing that had, that wasn't to spook you out, but it kind of set a mood. And he said, you know, I, I love everything you've done, but the intro is not working. And I, see, I said, well, what do you, I said, okay, what do you hear? And he said, a Johnny Cash kind of song. <laughs> so we didn't have much time. And I just took that. I took that as it was. And I wrote this song called A Loose End Man. And I wrote it in an hour's time. I recorded it in about an hour and a half. And I sent it to him. He said, nail on the head. That's exactly what it should be. So Gerard, from from that, from Pig Killer, I've taken this deep dive on you and tried to discover what the internet will tell me. And so some of it's probably true, some of it's probably not. Uh, <laughs> well, but, that's the internet, isn't it? <laughs> but what you said what you said was interesting to me because that kind of seems to be your mo is is somebody will come to you and say, "Hey, I want a Johnny Cash kind of song," and, and so you rarely sound the same in two different songs. Like there was a song well, where you kind of sounded 
Bob's that's a bless- that can be Mike. That can be a blessing and a curse. Right, right. And I agree. I wanted to ask you about that. I followed a line of people like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Stevie Wonder. Actually, all of them were chameleons. My favorite artists, you know, and even uh, you know, this is when I'm coming up, right? So there was a bit that I loved all kinds of music. And if you look at any at those particular artists, you know, they always had a way. I mean, Stevie sounds like Stevie, Mick sounds like Mick, and Paul McCartney, John they all sounded they all sounded their way. But I used to mimic in being in, in a, a uh, club band or, or you know, whatever we used to call it back in a cover band. Uh, I would mimic all these artists, and I had a, a great knack at doing that. I probably got it from my father, who was of another era, obviously, who would imitate Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, two to T. I mean, it was like you close your eyes, you swear it was Frank Sinatra on the stage. You know, that probably got uh, your father a lot of ladies back in the day, being able to well, mimic Sinatra. Uh, you, my mother would probably would agree. He didn't get them, but she was very. Uh, aware of the fact that they were swooning as they used to say <laughs> and over my and she kind of loved that because he went home with her that's so, a sense of pride uh, right there for your mother a, there, but i think a lot and, and i what to answer your question mike i it grabbed when i went into the film world jerry bruckheimer the, the film producer had hired my first film was a movie called defiance which was in the early 80s and um it was a movie with Jan Michael Vincent, Teresa Saldana from Raging Bull, uh, you know, I mean, Danny Aiello kind of seemed like most of the Sopranos were in that movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he wanted to have a Bruce Springsteen-esque kind of Bob Seger vibe as the tone uh, vocally of the film and um, very sweet, what have you. And so I said, okay. And I'd never done music to a film ever before. He just loved my music. And he said, give it a go. So I said, just want, she just wanted me to write the title song, which is a song called bad times. And I wrote it in that style. I made my voice sound a little bit Springsteen esque or B ish, if you will. Jared, I have like, I have like 10 seconds of it. If, if you want it for reference, Travis, you want to hear 10 seconds of his song from defiance? Let's hear 10 seconds of something. From- That's what I'm saying. Travis, in every song, he sounds completely different. That doesn't sound like Cry Little Sister and is that, at all. Gerard, you know? is that how people usually approach you when 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 making music for a television program or like a movie? Is it nothing's done yet? They know what they want for music and they say, here's the tone or here's the style. Can you do something like that? Or yeah. is it kind of up in the air? Is it like, you know, sometimes the 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 film or the television product's complete and they let you watch and they let you realize what the tone is and then then you make the music or is it typically they want the music beforehand? Well, there's a few different ways it goes. There's those who put temp music in there that right. have an idea of like a Peter Gabriel song, which I've replaced many different times. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like in the example of um, Defiance, he wanted a Bob seger kind of, you know, Springsteen vibe. So I would make my voice. I mean, I think that's the first time I did it. I thought, well, I better give, I'll write the song, but I want to give the perfect example as to what he was asking me to do, right? Sure. Yep. But the but the interesting thing after that, when I find when the deal when we he he had me write four more songs uh, for four different cues, and I then went to him, being very naive, and said, "Jerry, 
I'm, he, you know, he said he couldn't be happier with the songs. He said, I said, but who are going to get to sing this? He said, you are. And I'm going, well, that's not my real voice. And he then said, well, it is now. <laughs> because the testing on this movie, everybody remarks about, you know, how to do screen testing and stuff, how, you know, the soundtrack was and what have But I kind of just, you know, earlier albums of mine, like the Blue Rue album and No Looking Back, um, Foreign Papers, I do sound like me. I mean, that's my voice on it. And that's more of the cry little sister vibe that we just, what you just meant, what Mark just mentioned. And even on fast times at Richmond high, it's, it's very much the song. Look in your eyes is very much me, you know, so there are times when I've applied myself to something. I think it was so I could get the gig. I learned from that. Okay. If you can sound like what they have tempted in there, that's going to make sure you got this thing covered and that you've got you've got that check in the bank, right? So, it's sort of that's I think I don't think yeah, I mean I never stepped on an actual vocal like my dad did being perfectly, you know, Frank Sinatra or Nat King Cole. I basically would just give that sort of in this case of defiance, I just gave it the rough and tough Springsteen Seeger kind of vibe. Yeah. And speaking of Lost Boys too, how how did that work uh with Schumacher? I mean, did he come to you and say we're looking for kind of a a goth industrial sound? Did what did was he already done and he showed you some of the movie where he wanted it over cuz the thing about that song is anytime I think about Lost Boys, I think about that song, right? Like it so perfectly fits into the vibe of that movie that I can't think about that movie without thinking about that song. Well, it is the theme song from the movie in which he asked me to write. Yeah. But he said, I want, I'm not giving you a temp because we're still shooting, but I just wanted to call you and see if you'd be, and I'd met him once before and he was a fan of my work. And he said, if I could send you a script, maybe you'd get some inspiration. But I would love you to, you know, I love your work. I'd like to see what you come up with as a theme song to this film. So he sent me on the script. I read it one night. I was living in New York at the time. And um, I loved it. And the next morning I got up and went to, went to my piano, went to my guitar, going back and forth, kind of getting a vibe. And I got something. And then I went to the studio. And... Um, my mate was there was two little studios my mate michael was in the other studio he's a jazz musician very good jazz musician and um he was got he had this beat going on and i just that just i said wow that that could be the groove to this so i took what that was took it what he had going on of the beat and just applied it to what i'd written at home uh no lyrics nothing yet and then i finally came up with the the chorus cry little sister there at the studio and then came up with the idea of the choir didn't know what that was going to be but i tend to write the music first and then apply the lyrics afterwards sure and, um yeah it was nobody telling joel said one thing he said do be you i want you just to be what you do i'm not i don't want it to sound like anything else i want it to be just what you what you feel and i don't know if i would have seen the film it's the first time i ever did that what you had not seen a piece of film and read a script and wrote the song. I don't think I would have written that song had it not been for just reading the script and going, oh, I get this. I, I, I can relate to this. 
And I wanted, I didn't want it to be about vampire vampires that, you know, <laughs> I should be gothy. I just wanted it to be about generally a vibe that was given these young thinking immortal characters a way in which that there was a poetic way into describe what youth is at that time. It's vampire adjacent. I beg your pardon? It's vampire adjacent. There you go. It's not not about (laughs) vampires, right? The song, it's, I don't like being, you know, one of the things I pride myself on, I do not want to do what the script's already doing. I want to ride the peripheral of what the story is. I've never just, I've never written a song for a film that's just dead point on about what the the script is already written. Why bother? (laughs) Ride something, Moon River, for example, if you want to use a perfect, by the great Henry Mancini, it's, has nothing to do with that movie, but it has everything to do with that movie. Right. And that's where, that's where you can find your own brilliance or whatever you want to call it, that inspiration thing where you are writing the peripheral of what the story is telling. You don't um, want to be, you don't want to be so obvious where you say there's something strange in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call <laughs> ghostbusters? <laughs> You can do that. <laughs> hey, listen, there's a comedic factor to where you apply that, okay? And I love that, that, that what uh, Ray Parker Jr. came up with for that. I thought it was brilliant. And I have done those kind of things where, yeah, I've been on point because it's comedic. You know, but you but you'd never do that for like Schindler's List, right? Spielberg wouldn't come to you and be like, "Hey, I really need you to just spell out what this yeah. movie is." They'd be like, "Hey, he wouldn't have done that." No, but um, but um, but I get what you said. You know, it's it's an inc- it's an interesting art. You know, writing songs um, for film and or or yeah, any kind of film. Let that be, you know, TV or whatever. You know. Right. And a lot of times these days is I have such a catalog. A lot of my songs get licensed in, you know, various TV shows consistently, which is cool to have like, you know, my agent works my songs into various TV shows and films. And have you ever had that where like uh, filmmakers, like especially obviously with like TV where they're like, hey, we'd like to li- we'd like to license uh, this song by Gerard. And then it worked so well where they, they approached you and they're like, hey, we licensed this song by you. Now we would like you to do some originals for us. Has that ever happened to you? You mean, are you talking about where I, a song where you, of mine? They right, like, they, they licensed the song by you or they liked the song and then they're like, hey, we'd like you to do to, some and originals. And they want me to write another song. Right. In place. Well, my answer to that, well, why don't you just use the song? <laughs> if you, if, if it's it's like, already if done. Just take it. Uh, I don't think it... I, I, I think that I, I've definitely been the guy you call to for different reasons for like, if you want to replace that Peter Gabriel song, that's costing $500,000 to license. <laughs> you can go to the 99 cent, cent store and get G to write it for a hundred grand. Well, I guess and, that's the question then Travis is like, has any artist ever reached out to you after the fact and said, Hey, you screwed me out of a big payday. Like never. <laughs> hey, you, you came in and they basically, me. you know, Springsteen's um, like, hey, man, I know they asked you for a Springsteen song and you just did one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never stepped on a copyright. I've yeah. never infringed on any kind of, you know, other than, you know, 
And I don't think I really, in defiance, <laughs> I don't think I sound like Bruce. I think no, no. <laughs> auction of any kind of testosterone, any kind of, you know, singer. So is there is there a book in you, Gerard? Can we, I, I mean, like, you, you have a million stories, I'd imagine. You worked with Kiss and Ice Cube and Eminem and Roger Daltrey. You've worked with everybody at this point, right? You have stories for days. I do have stories for days. And the case of, you know, Every one of them are different. You know, Roger Daltrey had heard my music. Their management company, Led, Zepp- Led Zeppelin and The Who are managed by the same company, Trinifold. And um, Robert Plant had got a hold of me because uh, his daughter was a fan of my music. And this is, uh, yeah, this is, God, I can't remember when it was. But anyway, he rang me up at home. Uh, I left a message on my what called an answering machine back in the day (laughs) and uh, i came home one day and i I heard this voice on my machine going hi gerard this is robert plant i really like your music my daughter has been playing your stuff and i just wanted to reach out to you to see if we could get together and write some songs now i'm thinking this is somebody pulling a prank on me of course yeah (laughs) because how would he get my bloody number you know and also it's robert plant I mean, and why would he call me himself? So these are the thoughts. I mean, I know enough by now that, and I thought my mate Larry, who's a really, he's comedian slash, um, he can imitate people. But I recognized it was a Midland accent because I'm from Birmingham and so is he. So I said, wow, I called my friend Larry. I said, you really nailed the, the Midland accent. <laughs> Robert Plant. He said, I did not call you acting like Robert Plant. So I immediately called him back. He picks up the phone. Hello, Robert speaking. And um, in true English style. And I said, hi, Robert. It's uh, Gerard Cohn. He said, mate, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then we got to chatting. And he said, yeah, my daughter's been playing. I think she was playing Cry Little Sister. And uh, I can't remember. I think it could have been that. It wasn't long after the movie came out. So he said, I just love your music. I've been checking it out. And he, would you want to come over and uh, write with me? So sent me a ticket. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, mate, how did you get my number? He said, oh, I had management called Warner Brothers and they got it for me. And then I said, oh, nice one. You didn't have your managers call me. He said, you know how we are. You know how us brummies are. <laughs> We're still working class. That's the great thing about my English mates is that they never forgot where they came from. You know, hmm. Roger included. Yeah. So, uh, and then that morphed into Roger hearing what I was doing with Robert. And then he wanted me to write songs for him. Then he wanted me to produce him. So I wrote an entire album that we recorded at Abbey Road Studios back in 1991 called Rocks in the Head. And he was already keen on doing some of the songs that I had already written. So that were like for me, but he went and did them and it was great. We had a really fun time. He's one of my best mates out of that. So it's different, you know. I mean, to answer your question earlier, I kind of roll where I'm, I'm so, Harrison Ford said it best. He said, G is like the Meryl Streep of songwriters. And I went, <laughs> and it's kind of true because I, I'm, I'm like an actor. You know, I can, I take on a role. Sure. I study what that artist is. I can Carly Simon. I remember her. I, I wrote this song called Give Me All Night. And we, we started writing together and, it, we did the demo and I made my voice kind of sound like her. It was a joke going, oh, you almost, you sound better. She said, you sound better to Carly than me. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was just 
crazy stuff that so goes on that, with that. That's kind you of know. a unique thing, I think. I, I, it, so I guess that leads back to how we kind of started is like, is that, is that, is that a, a detriment or is that a it, it, virtue? You know what I'm saying? You know, I, it, it, listen, the road travel probably could have gone if I was an artist and just stayed to what I did and avoided any of the things along the way of doing film, television, and all of that. But I found it challenging. And I, 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 what's good about now being older is that people now identify me with, as an artist. Yeah. Not everybody knows the song from the Players Club that I wrote for, rather the Ice Cube film, The Players Club, which I wrote the theme song, which we brought in Casey and JoJo to sing it. I mean, a whole... Uh, area of black, you know, you know, black artists and black people know that song because it was a ve- it was a very you know African American film. Basically. Yeah, Players Club was huge there for a bit too. It's a it, I don't know if you either have ever seen it. But it's a classic. Yeah, absolutely, it's such a great film, and I was just so proud to be part of that that he, uh, that the music supervisor ch- introduced me to it, and then uh, that's a whole other story in itself because he thought I was black because <laughs> <laughs> he did. We had not met. Because you go by G. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, I was going by G Tarmac. So it was kind of like, you know. That's a rap name. But Frank would call me Gerard. And so I think Cube was calling me Jerome, you know. So it was like, I mean, it's just, see, my name gets so distorted no matter what culture you are. So that's why G is better. I hope I answered the question. Yeah, I think 100%. so. Yeah. So, uh, I I really want to know about the Batman song. Uh, I can't find well, anything I, out about the Batman song. I, I want to know. About what, that. what are you talking about, Mike? What Batman song? Travis, I have a clip of the Batman song. You're so Batman. The song rules, and that, I, I think it was like for that. was it for the George Clooney one? It was for Batman Forever. Oh, so, so the Val, Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer one. Val Kilmer, right? So Joel Schumacher, as you know, directed that, and he called me up saying, "You, I'd love." There's a scene in the film. It's kind of, but I want it to be campy but dark. And I said, "Okay," and he said, "I'll send you on the clip." So I looked at it. Uh, again, I'm in New York, and I wrote it, sent it back to him. I wrote it, went in the studio, recorded a demo of it, and he got back to me a couple of He said, he's playing it in the background in his office. He says, this is so fucking good. He said, I, it works like a charm. And I said, great. And I, I, was thought, I thought to myself, I said to him, I thought you might not like the idea that I actually used the word Batman. <laughs> he said, no, it's, it's spot on. Shit, for the whole first uh, Tim Burton movie, like the entire soundtrack said Batman like 452,000 times. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but uh, it, 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 there's this thing about other directors. I mean, I think that you, yeah, I felt the liberty to do that. Yeah, and sure. I didn't know how Joel was going to feel about that, you right? Because it had already been done before where he did that with Tim yep. Burton. So, the long story short, they do the, they place it in the film. And then 
the Warners watched the cut and they said it's too long, the film. So they had to cut and cut and that scene went out. Oh, no. Hey. That's the movie business for you. (laughs) (laughs) You write a good song. And I love that song, by the way. I really enjoyed it. It was so much fun doing it with the backing vocals uh, that I put together and brought in these two girls that were just so amazing. You know, so it was a great experience. You can't win them all. I mean, I've done, I've been up for so many different, it's like you've been an actor. You're up for things and you come into that place and you just, you get, you, you got to get used to rejection. And it's sometimes not just, it's just something works better. And it's just the case with anything to do with the arts. What a, what a director or producer's choice is, is to making it work for what that is. But hey. Jared, do you have something coming out that we can send people to? Do you have like? Well, the pig, the pig killer soundtrack is out now, and um, you can go go stream that. And um, there's if you go to gtommac.com, there's um, so there's a lot of great videos that I've done of just single songs that I just you know that I know that when I'm out on the road performing that my audience will key into. So I go make a video of it, you know, like Chocolata, which is a cool little video to check out on, yeah. on YouTube. It's on YouTube, but it's on gtommac.com. I did a video for uh, Pig Killer, Nickel Charm Jack, which came out cool. And um, yeah, that's why I say just go to that. But I mean, I'm constantly just, um, you know, right now I'm just working on two things. Lost Boys, the musical, took a dive when the pandemic happened. Now it's getting resurrected again. And hopefully, you know, I was in New York a couple of times with that, with the uh, head of Warner Brothers, Warner Discovery, as it is now. And it looks like it's getting back on track. So, and I've been performing songs from the soundtrack from that. And also, um, I'm doing a film called Don't Forget About Me with Paul Brooks, who produced my big fat week wedding and pitch perfect one, two, three, and now four. Um, so he is, uh, during the pandemic, he asked me, I've worked with him on a movie called chasing Amy some time ago. I don't know if you guys know that film, Kevin Smith film yeah, back in the late nineties. Yeah, absolutely. And I wrote a song for that. And, um, Paul and I got, he's British and we got to know each other well. And, um, so he wanted to work together again during the pandemic. He said, write me a musical. I love what you've done with Lost Boys, et cetera, uh, meaning a musical. And so I wrote, I, I said, didn't know what to write about. I was just basically uh, spent three months, you know, not, but I had an epiphany one day. What about, because he said, write something about the 80s. It's going to be really comforting and just smart, funny, something that's going to be, have that entertainment with an edge. So I came up with this idea about pen pals in the eighties and it's six different characters who all meet each other through their social media of pen pals, London, New York, and LA all. And it gets to the, they meet in their junior high school year. And then they go on to senior year and they change each other's lives over this pattern over, um, in the course of two years. And, um, I'm very, very pleased about it. We've gotten, we brought on a screenwriter. In the theater world, they call it a book, okay? I know how to do that, but I'm not a screenwriter. And Paul knew that. So we brought in a guy named Charles Watson, who's 
brilliant worked with Ridley Scott for many years is in every capacity as a writer slash you know filmmaker etc he was available and so I got with him for the better part of a year and a half going over what we needed to do and then meaning writing it and what have you and then he just took it started working on it and then I started writing all the songs for it and it's all original songs we do the name of the film is and it's a musical to the film um to film rather um called Don't You Forget About Me. And we do use that Simple Mind song in act two, but with a choir, a 40-piece choir, and all six singers, and all six cast members, rather, take a line of the song. Sure. And it's really pretty compelling, um, if I say so myself. Uh, yeah. So and it's a great a song. a bunch of irons in the fight. You just always got something going on, right? Just Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be be a bloody well boring time for my in my head, you know. Um, you know, I feel like it. I've really been given a gift that needs to be taken seriously, and I think other people notice that. Uh, not only do I have the gift, but I, but I work hard at what I do, and I, I think in anything, everybody notices that due diligence about how you craft a piece of music and how you produce it and what have you. So I don't know if that's the reason why I keep working. I, I've all, I, I, I need, I don't shut this off very much, you know? Yeah. I was going to say you keep working because what else are you going to do? Right. <laughs> Have a shag now and then Yeah, that, <laughs> once in a while <laughs> that doesn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you buddy. <laughs> yeah. And it's not really that conducive to do too much of that. It's not conducive to creativity. <laughs> you know, you're better doing, you're better being the voyeur. What's been really fun is going out and doing covers of songs. I mean, songs that I've written for other artists and now doing them and letting people that's, know that, you know, like kiss, is that you? That's uh, magical. That's the yeah. <clears throat> post, post, post-mortem. Uh, Prince's estate put out uh, his album of I believe it was called the hits or the covers or something where it was all of the songs that Prince wrote for other people like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the Sinead O'Connor song and a bunch of other people. Uh, a lot of stuff yeah. that people did not realize that Prince wrote would have oh, him yeah. perform those. It's so amazing to hear the actual and, songwriter perform. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, not a lot of people know that I wrote all these other songs. Right. You do. We do these kind of mashups of like, you know, I'll throw in, I mean, like, for example, um, uh, 21 Pilots are fans of mine. So I'll throw in one of their songs like Heathens and I'll go right into a cover of somebody else's, you know, that makes sense to what that one is. Right, you know? sure. <laughs> it's been really a lot of fun. And the audience, and we got these wonderful screens of the, throughout the entire show of images going on. And it's just a great show. I mean, I don't just... We worked hard to make this thing look great. And this, the reviews and under reviews of the audience, they let me know just how much. So to answer that question, yeah, 2024 is going to be a lot of going out on the road and just, you know, where are you guys, by the way? Where, where, where's your, where, I'm in Missouri and I'm in Travis Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. You, where, where are you, Mike? St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. I love that city. Yeah. I played there. Come back. And we're in tomorrow. Wisconsin. Where uh, I did some, there was something I did, we did years ago there. It was I can't remember. It was like it was one of those cons. 
anyway. And then, there, and then, uh, Wisconsin. Where are you from, then? Smack Trump? dab in the smack dab in the middle. Nowhere where you would ever have uh, have probably been. <laughs> He'd have so, to like, travel I'm, to I'm you. Far, far away from all of the metropolitan areas of Wisconsin. <laughs> well, that's listen. Everywhere is somewhere, isn't it? Sure, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so somewhere Mike, everywhere. T- talking about talking about the touring and how 2024 is going to be amazing. Mike, ask the. Uh, we'll we'll finish on the uh, quintessential WFOD question yeah, uh, for performers. Gerard, when you perform, do you keep your wallet in your back pocket or do you leave it backstage? No, I don't leave it backstage. I just leave it in the hotel room. Oh, you don't I don't have a wallet. And by the way, I don't carry a wallet. Do you just carry I know like that's a not- stack of stuff? I beg your pardon? You just have like a stack of stuff, like your ID and your credit I card? I have like a credit card and a driver's license. And that's all I carry with me. I know it sounds dark. I have it on a little clip. Oh, okay. But that clip. stays back at the hotel. I can't be bothered with I don't like the the feel of that in my bum. And I don't like the idea of just just this thing. You know, I, I used to carry one, but not even I, less is more for me, you know? Min, I'm a very I'm big on minimalism. I, I can tell we we're on video real quick. I can tell you're big on minim, minimalism. You have a Christmas tree behind you that is uh undecorated. <laughs> undecorated because i just got it last night oh, yeah i know how that goes. it's going to be put into action very soon <laughs> I thought that was the minimalism in action i got the tree what more do you want from me <laughs> that, there you go and that rhymes <laughs> perfect Gerard, do you like the marilyn manson cover of Try, cry little sister i really think he owned it in his he way he job. took it on and when he sent it over to me or when Matt, he was kind of, I heard that he was kind of nervous because it was his favorite song coming out, as was Is That You, that kissed it, because he, he was a big Kiss fan as a kid. Yep. And um, I just, when I heard it, I thought, well, this is really, he, yeah, he made it, he made it Marilyn. And what, yeah. How, yeah. I, I, I'm, I was honored that he did it. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great covers out there of that song. I, you know? I have one that you probably haven't heard. Uh, there's a guy who makes uh, AI versions of Looney Tunes characters covering songs. Uh, are you familiar with Wait. Sylvester the Cat, uh, the Looney Tunes character? Uh, I, I am. Do you want to hear Let's Sylvester he- the Cat do Cry Little Sister? Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> the last fire will rise. Be- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta have that. boys <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I <laughs> I would love to hear Tweety Bird do a cover. <laughs> I think I thought. Wrath <laughs> will rise. <laughs> I think I saw a buddy cat. I did the Bugs, but the Warner Brothers asked me to do the Bugs Bunny theme. I, and, and what was for the, I think it was the 70, 50th anniversary or something like that, some years ago. So I came up with something and they used it on the Thanksgiving Day parade <laughs> back in that day. Awesome. Um, you can go on YouTube and you can find it. It's so. So Broadway, campy, and I used all. I got a guy, one of David Bowie's uh, backing singers, Frank Sims, who I'd known forever, and he could imitate any of those characters. So I had to come in the studio, put the track down, and put this you know grandiose chorus together. And I had Frank do all the characters, and it was 
between the engineer and uh, one of the assistants, we were laughing our asses out. <laughs> it was so hilarious. And because at one point he stopped in the middle of uh, what's the skunk? What's 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 one of his? Uh, Peppy LePew. Peppy Pe- Pew. Yeah. He said, yeah. And then he stopped. He said, No, 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 no. Uh, Peppy wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> it was like, what? Peppy wouldn't do it like that. We just, I mean, we could not. We were pissing ourselves. <laughs> Beautiful. Jordan, man, I, I feel like we we've barely scratched the surface. I would I would love to do this again sometime if you got something coming up. Uh thank you so much for your time. Uh we appreciate Thank it. you. And it was a real I love the questions and I I love how the flow of what this is you know, I do a lot of interviews, but the ones you do remember are things like this. So thank you. Yeah, thank Beautiful. you. And happy holidays that. to the both yeah, of you, you too, and man. your people your wives, children, whatever it is. And um, yeah, big shout out to that middle of slap dab in the middle of Wisconsin. And <laughs> all my St. Louis people. Yeah. Bring it on. Miles Davis country. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure, man. Cheers. Happy holidays. Take care. The holidays. Bye. Oh, what a treat. That guy was awesome. <clears throat> I enjoyed that a lot. I, I yeah yeah he was he was funny. Just he went with whatever, right? I love so much when people say they do a lot of interviews and they like this kind of thing. Like that makes me very happy because it, you know we like try to keep it like loose and yeah. but like still ask questions and just like have a conversation. It's an interview, but it's not an interview. But like I I really love when people when we're done and people are like that was really fun and I really. You know, it's memorable. So that's that's cool. I like that. He was awesome. Really like that. This fucking guy wrote Cry Little Sister. He's worked with Joel Schumacher multiple times and fucking Travis, check yeah. out that Batman song. I don't know why they didn't use that Batman song. That that's Batman song's awesome. Awesome. And 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 R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. Wouldn't it have been awesome to get like a director's cut of Batman Forever? It had yeah. to have been Looney Tunes bonkers. And that scene, I would like to know what scene that was that he had put that song said it on. Got cut. And I would like to see it. Yeah, that was fun. So so he had an album that uh, like somebody was listening to songs on. And like one of the songs that he didn't like, he was just like, yeah, this doesn't really fit the vibe of the rest of the album. So I'm going to cut it. And a guy's like, dude, can I go play this song for Kiss? Yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. I, I, I don't I don't need this song. And so the guy took the song over and played it for Kiss, who I think was like playing, like recording an album. near. It was their unmasked album, the one that they took their paint off. After, yeah. Yeah, they're like, hey, a bunch of old Jewish guys. And they were like, they were like, dude, we need a lead single. Let's take that song. And they, they took his cast off song and right. made it their lead single. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I mean, like the, the amount of stories that I, I don't think we got a third of the stories that guy. No, I'm sure we just scratched the surface like the, the career. If you look, you know, you, you, you look up his career, you, you look up his discography, you look up all of his credits and you're like, oh, this guy has been plugged into so many right. different circles. Like, I mean, like you said, like. He worked on Players Club, yeah. for Ice Cube, yeah, he, and shit. He, he worked with Kiss, worked with uh, Roger Daltrey and uh, Robert Plant, 
and also worked with Eminem and Ice Cube. And you know? Ice Cube. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. All while, all while juggling soundtracks. Yeah. And, and he, I mean, he just mentioned in there that he like made a Lost Boys Broadway musical that he did all the music for. That sounds yeah. great. Let's see yeah. that. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm totally into that. <laughs> Uh, I do like how giddy he looked when you played him that Sylvester, uh, the cat, <laughs> cry little sister. He looked overjoyed by yeah, that. I don't, think that's one, I don't think that's one he had heard yet, Travis. <laughs> no, I don't think so. There's a lot of great covers. Oh, have you heard this one? <laughs> Sylvester, the cat. And then, which just spawned him to tell a story about how he wrote yeah. Bugs oh, yeah, Bunny by the way, the, I worked on the Bugs Bunny yeah, theme. For the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for his 50th anniversary. It's what fuck. What? <laughs> Amazing. Travis, I have a pick of the week. You want to do picks okay. of the week? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, did you see Leave the World Behind, Travis? The Julia Roberts movie that the Mr. Robot guy did? Not yet. It's 220, so I've had a hard time uh, carving out a chunk, but it is in my list. Travis, loved it. Loved the movie. People are complaining about the movie, and the things that people are complaining about are the things I loved the most. I loved the ending of the movie. I loved the whole fucking movie. It's great. The, all the clips that I've watched that Netflix decides to show you when you just kind of hover over it, yeah. I'm like, man, this is a movie for me. Yeah, no, I, I went and uh, had dinner with some friends yesterday, and they were both complaining that they didn't like the movie. And I was like, you guys are nuts. That movie fucking ruled. <laughs> uh, watch it when you have the time to watch it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Don't be looking at your phone. Uh, don't watch a half hour and then a half hour and yeah, then walk yeah. away. Watch it when you thing. have the time to watch it. Uh, but it's it's great. I loved it. Yeah, uh, I'm psyched. Uh, you got a pick of the week? Yeah, Travis's pick of the week this week is also a Netflix property. It is an eight part television uh, event called Obliterated. Uh, this is a raunchy action comedy about a special ops team. Who what? who, who uh, diffuses a nuclear bomb that is set to blow off uh, up Las Vegas. What is this? Um, Why yeah, it's called obliterated. This? It's amazing. So it's like they they are a special ops team. They are have been working this case for months. They stop uh, a nuclear explosion in Las Vegas. Nobody knows about it because it's co covert ops. Uh, they decide, hey, listen, man, we just stopped Vegas from being blown up by a nuclear <laughs> bomb. Nobody's going to know about this. But if they did, they would want us to have a really good party night before we leave and separate and go our separate ways. So they decide that they are going to throw like a bash and they get all hammered on drugs and alcohol, uh, cocaine. There's a camel involved. These people are living it up. They are throwing care to the wind. So this and is all guess after the action. This is after they th this is all in the first episode, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so the first episode, they're partying. They've all taken MDMA. They've all taken they've their their uh, their bomb guy has gotten so fucked up. He's just like essentially in a drug alcohol coma. All of a sudden they get a phone call. Guess what? That was a dummy bomb. Oh, the no. real <laughs> nuclear bomb is still out there. So now these people have to go back on task. After taking mushrooms, cocaine, I've never MDMA, heard of this. this sounds amazing. Again, it's fucking on, and now they have to go and divert a nuclear crisis in Las Vegas. I've watched only two episodes, oh and this God. all of, has happened already. There's boobs, 
There's full frontal male nudity. There is a uh, 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 homage to Ali Larder's whipped cream bikini in Varsity Blues. This show is two, I'm two episodes into eight episodes, and it is amazing. Does this have wow. have stars in it? Who's in this? There's people that I recognize, but nobody that I know. You know wow. what I mean? It's like these are all the a lot of these people are recognizable actors, but I couldn't tell you one of their names. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 going to watch that as soon as yeah. possible. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Cue it up. Like I said, I'm two episodes deep and I've pretty much just explained to you what happened in the first two episodes. Oh, my God. And it, the, all of the. A lot of the drugs, because it's eight episodes and it's all supposed to happen within eight hours. Like it's not like 24 where it's real time, but it is all supposed to take okay. place shortly. So uh, the drugs kick in at all of the wrong times for some <laughs> of these people. It is amazing. There's drugs, violence, sex, nudity. Uh, it's raunchy, action packed and very funny. I highly recommend Obliterated on Netflix. Guys, we did it. Uh, GTomMac.com. That was a fun one. Uh, Super fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, uh, see you on down the trail. For listening to this installment of WFOD. If you enjoyed it, subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or your player of choice. While you're there, please take a moment to share a link, tell a friend, leave a review, or do any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. Our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth to spread the gospel of the dub fod. The music featured in this podcast is provided by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. You can leave us a question or comment via telephone on the hand hotline at 636-487-HAND or by email at mike at wfodshow.com. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon sponsors, Assistant Treads, Benny Michaels, Brian Kranz, Liquid Lozenge, Valerie Carpenter, Jay Adson, and Rabbit Poundings. You can be a Patreon sponsor yourself for as little as a dollar a month and receive early access to episodes at patreon.com slash WFODicks. Our entire back catalog is available on WFODshow.com, as well as Cola Rankings, Flat Drunks, and more. Check us out on social media at WFOD Show on Twitter and Instagram, or WFODicks on Facebook and YouTube. We'll be back next week, but really, we're never gone. Take care.
you to know it's over.